It's 6 p.m., and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. And this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jim. Lots of water often means lots of mosquitoes. To Larry Lake, the dormant lake that's reappeared thanks to last year's wet winter has led to a spike in the region's mosquito population. The California Report explains how some counties in the San Joaquin Valley are spending unprecedented amounts of money on abatement. Congressman Adam Schiff spoke yesterday at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley. Tonight, we'll listen to excerpts from interviews conducted by two KVMR broadcasters, Paul Berger and Felton Pruitt. Then, in another edition of Al Stoller Explores, Al discusses cancer with Dr. Mary Phillips of Vanderbilt University Medical Center. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A battle over homelessness is escalating in Sacramento. County District Attorney Tin Ho sent a letter this week threatening to file charges against city officials over their handling of Sacramento's homelessness crisis. Ho gave the city 30 days to act on a list of demands. They include opening emergency shelter spaces and auditing spending for homeless services. In response, Mayor Daryl Steinberg publicly pushed back, saying the city is already working on many of the requests. Steinberg directly addressed Ho from the city council chamber. Your political stunt today, the second such stunt in little over a month, is bad faith. Your public posture is at best disingenuous and at worst dangerous. Ho was elected in 2022 after vowing to address Sacramento's homelessness crisis. He began his public fight with City Hall officials last month when he launched an investigation into officials' conduct. Ho said Sacramento City officials are inconsistent in enforcing rules, including an ordinance to keep sidewalks clear of encampments, resulting, Ho argues, in an unprecedented public safety crisis. Standing water in Kings and Tulare counties in the San Joaquin Valley has led to a proliferation of mosquitoes. And as a result, KVPR's Kerry Klein reports that big bucks are being spent on abatement. Not surprisingly, one big problem area is Tulare Lake, specifically the southeast corner in Tulare County. According to Jacob Davis with the Tulare Mosquito Abatement District, that's where the water seeped into shallow fields of tangled plants. The fish that are in there can't get to the mosquito larvae, and that's where the mosquitoes just thrive. In response, the state has footed the bill for mosquito abatement with more than $6 million in disaster funding. And for the first time, Davis's district has purchased a drone, an amphibious vehicle, and even an airboat. This is unprecedented. All this to mitigate the spread of mosquito-borne diseases like West Nile virus. West Nile has already been reported in humans in Merced, Kern, San Bernardino, San Joaquin, and Tulare counties, and in mosquitoes in 26 other California counties. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno. For a lot of parents, having no one to care for their children means they often just don't go to work and that can be bad for their employers. One study found that businesses lose $23 billion every year due to childcare challenges faced by their workers. So some companies are taking matters into their own hands through employer-sponsored care. KQD's Amanda Stupai tells us more. Are you guys ready? Everyone take a seat on the edge of the carpet. I want to take you on a little trip to a place I'm calling Childcare Utopia. <laughs> The halls are filled with kids' artwork and bulletin boards highlighting classroom activities. Little white lab coats hang in a room dedicated to science. And outside, there's space to play and get dirty. The staff here are relatively well-paid, 
no kids are turned away because of capacity issues, and Childcare Utopia is located right next to where the parents work. When I had my oldest daughter, Rosie, um, she was at the center that was right across the street from my office. Nikki Dupold runs workforce services at Genentech in South San Francisco. Her department oversees employee amenities, like this childcare center on Genentech's campus. Twice a day, I would come over and nurse her. I could take, you know, 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes in the afternoon, and just go over and, and be with her. Obviously, calling this utopia is an exaggeration. Kids still act like kids, and parents still pay a lot for this care. But in the mess that is America's childcare market, this feels like a dreamland. Dupold had her kids in Genentech's child care center for eight years. During none of that time was I ever considering leaving. Genentech has never calculated in dollars how much its on-site child care benefits the company. But one place that has is Ventura-based clothing company Patagonia. Like Genentech, Patagonia consistently appears on lists of best places to work. And their corporate marketing materials tout work-life balance as a guiding philosophy, not a business decision. But the business case is hard to dispute. In 2016, we estimated a 91% return on investment. That's Cheryl Shushin, Director of Global Family Services for Patagonia. She says that figure includes savings on recruitment and turnover, the advantage of consistent productivity, and tax benefits. We've been in business for 40 years. And back then, if you wanted to provide childcare, then you opened a childcare center yourself, which is what Patagonia did. A lot has changed since 1983 when Patagonia first set up a trailer in their parking lot. They now have 24 classrooms spread out over three different work sites. But Patagonia still runs all of its family services in-house, and childcare employees receive the same benefits that the corporate employees do. Leah Austin is executive director of the Center for the Study of Childcare Employment at UC Berkeley. She says company childcare programs that prioritize childcare workers present an opportunity. Let's learn from these conditions. Do we have lower rates of turnover in our workplace when our families have access to childcare and the workers themselves also are being paid well and have good working conditions? Having examples to study is important, but Austin says nothing short of major policy changes and greater investment by the government will be enough to clean up America's childcare crisis. I guess a question I would ask to employers who are offering this, um, you know, what role they have in policy advocacy for a more comprehensive child care system. But for now, the Center for American Progress says 60 percent of Californians live somewhere where child care is difficult to access. For The California Report, I'm Amanda Stupai. Amanda's story was produced with support from the USC Annenberg Center for Health Journalism. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. 
And that is this edition of the California Report for Wednesday, August 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. And remember, you can get all your statewide news on the California Report podcast. Subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. As always, thanks for listening and have a great day out there. Congressman Adam Schiff of California's 30th Congressional District is seeking the nomination of the Democratic Party to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein in next year's election. On Tuesday, Schiff spoke to a sold-out crowd at Grass Valley Center for the Arts, and two KVMR broadcasters, Paul Berger and Felton Pruitt, were able to talk to him afterwards. First, let's listen to a part of Paul's interview. Paul asks him about his thoughts about last week's indictment of a former president and about federal funding for wildfire prevention. Good evening, Congressman Schiff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So tell us first why you chose to come speak here in our small but beautiful county. I think uh, it's very important that uh, the people here in Nevada County understand that I intend to be just as vigorous a champion for the interests of people living here and in other rural parts of the state in the far north, as well as the far south and the middle of our state, everyone is entitled to good, aggressive, effective representation. And I want to make sure that I come here, I have an opportunity to meet people, uh, that I learn about the challenges facing uh, people with broadband access, with fire and resilience, uh, with um, health care and hospital access, with the shortage of uh, healthcare providers and physicians, uh, you really can't be an effective represent- representative unless you actually uh, get to meet the people and understand the issues. And that's why I wanted to be here. Well, last week was quite an historic uh, news week in Washington, D.C. A former president has been indicted and arraigned on charges of trying to overturn a free and fair presidential election, essentially interfering with the peaceful transfer of power and depriving millions of voters of the right to have their votes counted. You were on the January 6th committee that brought riveting testimony on this subject to a nationwide audience. Many commentators have observed that the indictment closely tracks the work of the committee. As a former prosecutor, what was your reaction when you read the indictment, and were there any surprises? Uh, My reaction was that clearly the Justice Department was watching, along with the rest of the country, when we held those hearings, uh, when the country heard testimony largely of Republican uh, elected officials, Republican appointees of Donald Trump, uh, about the challenges uh, facing our democracy, about the effort to overturn the election. Uh, and, and it did very closely track our work. Um, you know, I also uh, felt that, uh, that the special counsel um, made very conservative charging decisions. Uh, he didn't charge all of the offenses that we had referred to his office. Uh, but I think that he, he acted prudently, uh, going with the strongest uh, case. Uh, and I think it, it shows his professionalism. So here in Nevada County, among the top concerns is uh, wildfire pre- prevention and protection. There have already been several deadly wildfires in the past few years, which have affected us deeply. I am sure there's federal money available to address these concerns. What steps are being taken in Congress to get more funding for wildfire protection into the hands of the right people. This has been a priority of mine ever since I got to Congress for a number of reasons, uh, in part because between college and law school, I was a seasonal U.S. forestry uh, service firefighter, 
U.S. Forest Service firefighter, and I understand just how devastating these fires can be and how difficult they are to fight and how much uh, it's important that we stop them before they get started, uh, that we bring underground some of these electrical transmissions, that we have circuit breakers to avoid fire. Um, and there is going to be a lot of money going out for forest resilience. Uh, and I want to make sure that that money comes to California. I want to make sure that money comes to Nevada County uh, and the other counties in the northern part of California, because we have desperate need here. And, you know, one thing I'm committed to doing in the U.S. Senate is making sure I'm fighting uh, like the Dickens to bring that money back here to California, back to Nevada County, back to the places that need it. Uh, and then, of course, at the broadest level, we have to address climate change. Adam Schiff, thank you very much for speaking with us here at KVMR Community Radio. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Felton Pruitt was also in attendance, and he spoke to protesters who were gathered across from the event. Tuesday evening, a crowd of about 25 protesters stood across the street from the Center for the Arts as Congressman Adam Schiff appeared. I walked out into the crowd and gave them an opportunity to express their opinions. Here's a couple of them. What's your name? My name is Gabe Chavez. I used to be a Democrat. Oh, okay. Where do you live, Gabe? I live here in Grass Valley. Okay. And you're out here in front of the Center for the Arts now because Representative Adam Schiff is here. Yes, sir. That liar. Remember, he told us as chief intelligence officer of the Congress that he had info on Trump and he never had a damn thing. He lied to us. He cost us millions of dollars for his mistakes. I once was a Democrat, but I can't do it anymore. Thank you. You're welcome. What's your name? Sue. Where do you live? Nevada City. And you're out here in front of the Center for the Arts today because Adam Schiff is appearing? Because I believe I've watched a lot of the hearings and things he was involved with, and I tried to analyze carefully what was being said, and I very strongly believe that he's extremely dishonest. And I don't like professional politicians, and that's what he is. We need They don't represent the people. They don't know what the people are anymore. They have such a different lifestyle. So that's, that's why. When Felton sat down with Schiff later that evening, he asked the congressman his thoughts about the current political climate. When Joe Biden was finally made president, I, I got one of my friends on the phone and we talked for half an hour on the radio. He's a very hardcore Republican, but he grew up with Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson as his best friend. And, and we talked about how we love each other, we always care about each other and treat each other with respect, but we're on totally opposite sides. At the end of the conversation, he said, as long as we don't talk politics, and I said, I think that's the problem. If we can't talk politics, who can? Yeah. Uh, it has become increasingly difficult um, to talk politics even with your neighbor, even with your own family. Um, but if we can't, who can? Oh, you're right. I mean, we have to, we have to find a way to break through. Uh, and I think the only way we're going to move ahead and get beyond this period of incredible division is one-on-one, -on -one, uh, is at the level of individual conversations. It's not going to happen through, you know, the... The cable news media, that's for sure. Um, so we've got to find a way to, to be able to converse with our neighbors again and find that common ground, even that political common ground. Uh, you know, what, I, what I've been impressed with when I've gone to rural areas in the state is, uh, you know, people who know me from TV, they have one sort of expectation. But when I sit down with them, 
uh, and we start talking about, hey, what are we going to do about that hospital that just closed? It's not a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. But it is a policy issue. We can't, you know, continue to have these horrible reimbursement rates under Medicare, federal reimbursement rates, or hospitals are going to continue closing down. And, you know, when I talk to people about health care or I talk to people about what do we do to improve the quality of drinking water or address air quality or how do we make sure your house doesn't burn down, um, when you focus on those things, party just doesn't seem to matter that much. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, there, there's lots of things that we can work on and have to work on together. Both full-length conversations between KVMR's Paul Berger and Felton Pruitt will be available on our website and on the KVMR News Podcast. Now let's take a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 57. Thursday, sunny with a high near 84. Thursday night, clear with a low around 58. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 42. Thursday, sunny with a high near 78. Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 45. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 59. Thursday, sunny with a high near 89. And Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 60. There are currently no red flag warnings or fire weather watches. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The human immune system normally puts up a pretty tough defense against disease, but cancer is a tougher challenge than most. Up next, KVMR's Al Stoller speaks with Dr. Mary Phillips of Vanderbilt University Medical Center in another edition of Al Stoller Explores. There's a war being fought not far away. The war is waging inside your body. Microbes, bacteria, viruses, they see us as food. They see us as factories to make more microbes. Our immune system is an army of cells, billions of cells, and it fights back. Put your hand to your upper chest. Beneath your hand is your thymus. Within the thymus, young immune cells can hang out and mature. Cells that mature within the thymus are T cells, T for thymus. There are different types of T cells. Not all of them attack the enemy head on. Among those that do attack directly are killer T cells. Killer T cells do not search out and destroy only microbes. They also defend us against cancer. But in fighting cancer, all too often, something goes wrong. I spoke with Dr. Mary Phillip of Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Even though we have these immune cells, the T cells, that have the capability to recognize cancer cells, and they should have the capacity to kill them. In people who, you know, develop cancers and, you know, their cancers progress, these T-cells are not doing their job. Perhaps the constant battle has worn them out. The name for the phenomenon is exhaustion. Is there any indication they are simply running out of energy? We don't think they're running out of energy. They're dividing very rapidly, and that does take a lot of energy. And because they're able to do that, we think they're not running out of energy. In a battle with microbes, it takes some time for exhaustion to take place. In the battle with cancer, it's different. In our previous study, we looked within five days after T-cells had seen their tumors, 
and found that they were already becoming dysfunctional. And so that led us to start thinking, well, maybe this is really not exhaustion that's happening over days or weeks, but really something fundamentally different that's happening earlier. And so that's what led us really to try to dig into these first hours and couple of days after T-cells get into tumors. Dr. Philip, by the way, is doing her research in mice. This paradigm of exhaustion really comes from studying chronic viral infections or chronic bacterial infections. And in those settings, the T-cells are initially functional, but then over time, they lose their function. So slowing down and eventually stopping because you've been doing something for so long that really isn't isn't the right not the right model for this scenario. This is a, a setting where these mice have fairly advanced uh, cancers. We looked at both liver cancer and metastatic melanomas. So we think in these settings, it doesn't look like they are initially functional and then getting exhausted. They're really just becoming dysfunctional right off the bat. Could it be that the tumor itself, the cancer cells themselves, are signaling to the T cells to shut themselves off? Yes, we think that there are probably two parts to why they get shut off so quickly. One is that the tumor cell is giving them negative signals that shut them down. To be honest, we're still looking and trying to figure out what are the negative signals that are most important. The other part of it is that during um, infections with pathogens, the T cells get positive signals, and we think that the tumor environment does not provide those positive signals. So it's both a lack of positive signals as well as these negative signals coming from the tumor. This could have implications for immunotherapy, the strategy of revving up the immune system to do battle with cancer. One thing we did see is that if we took those T-cells out of the tumor within a couple of days, they could partly recover their function. But interestingly, if we waited, so we let these T-cells sit in tumors for several days, eventually they get to this point where even if you take them out of the tumor, they are still dysfunctional. We call that kind of imprinted or fixed dysfunction. And so it does tell us that continued exposure to the tumor, aside from this initial contact, does do something to these T-cells such that that initial kind of dysfunction gets baked into the T-cell and, and becomes very difficult to reverse. That may have implications for therapies in that, you know, there may be a window of time where you have to catch these T-cells before they've gone too far down the dysfunctional pathway. Mary, this has been really interesting. I wish you a lot of luck with this research. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you for having us. I'm speaking with Dr. Mary Phillip, Assistant Professor of Medicine at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. You can listen to this and past newscasts, plus full-length versions of the interviews we aired today, on our website, kvmr.org, or you can subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to have them delivered directly to your phone. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and from Rental Guys, offering equipment rentals from household and landscaping tools to heavy machinery for excavating to construction, including Bobcat and Ucart Concrete, family-owned and operated since 1959 located on Railroad Avenue in Grass Valley, rentalguys.com, and Vols Bros Automotive, serving the community since 1982, located at 962 Golden Gate Terrace in Grass Valley. Same workmanship, customer service, and community involvement. Online at vollsbros.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. 
The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Gem, and I hope you have a great night.